Good evening, everybody. It's dis it's not even December anymore. It's January 3rd, 2011. First radio show of the new year, and I'm celebrating by doing it all by myself. Yep. Just me, my hookah, my space heater. This is Mr. Skullhead, by the way. In case... Yeah, you, don't you know who I am? Anyway, uh, we're going to have a special guest. Is that special guest texting me to say, yes, I will be your special guest? Uh, he asks if I still need him. I say, oh yes. I need you now. More than words can say. I need you now. Just so I can occasionally, you know, like, take a breath. It's nice. Um, yeah, so, beginning of the year, we got a new item of the month out. We can talk about that. We can talk about... Uh, the end of the Crimbo event, if you wish. Uh, I know this Crimbo by design you had a nice uh, climactical battle. And some of you had several nice climactical battles. And then it kind of faded gently away. And uh, hopefully that satisfied everyone. Because uh, you, you can satisfy everyone, right? That's always my goal. Looking here at the... Uh, so I'm watching the forum thread. I'm watching our Twitter feed. I'm watching Radio Bugbear. So, hit me up on any of those things. And remember, I don't know anything about this game. Let's see. Linguini Lad says, Is there anything, movies, books, etc., that is referenced to the game that none of you guys like? I'm sure that there is. We have some Twilight references. None of us are huge fans of Twilight. Uh, none of us are real big fans of White Snake. I wasn't that sold on a Double Rainbow video, but you know there are there are things that are just in there because they're out there. You know, when you're like when you're making a zone where everything is white, White Snake is one of the things that pops into your head. You know, and White Lion. If you grew up in the '80s, you remember like crappy hair metal bands with the word white in their name. So. And throw them in. Um, I don't think we've ever had to do a lengthy homage to something we don't like. Like, I don't like professional wrestling. Somebody on the forums was saying recently that KWE wasn't satisfying because it wasn't enough, like, real wrestling. Like, there weren't any belts, no title mass matches, no uh, brackets for tournament, no feelings. Like, one match is different from another. And, not, you know, not enough drama in there. The reason for that really is because none of us watch wrestling and have any desire to do so. And I guess we could add those things without knowing too much about wrestling, but that was definitely something where I cobbled together based on my vague memories of my friends who were into wrestling back in the day, what, what kind of stuff happened. I think I watched one professional wrestling match on TV in college. Because uh, a lot of my friends in the... Uh, well, two out of the four people I was living with were just heavy into it. They always, by the way, gave me shit for watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because that was, you know, some stupid show about vampires. And it's like, you know... Both of the shows that we're into are shows that feature choreographed fights... And kind of, uh, you know, like soap opera melodrama. Just that mine is better written and they don't pretend the fights are real. But anyway, so, yeah, when it, when the KWE idea came up, 
that was uh, we did it without having to watch professional wrestling because that was too much of a price to pay. Like I watched a single part of a match with one of my friends, just thinking you have good taste in stuff, so I must be missing something here. And uh, no, it, it was just kind of dumb. Like if you're gonna choreograph the fights, right? Shouldn't they be more interesting than I don't know? It's like the fights were as kind of boring and one-sided as if they hadn't been choreographed and yet they were supposedly I don't know kind of strange I mean if you watch uh, I also have had occasion to watch um, an ultimate fighting match because now I'm hanging around uh, one of my friends is an actual man as opposed to me who's just kind of a you know fancy lad and he's real big in ultimate fighting and I watch it and it is boring as shit it's apparently two people who are very very good at fighting are very very boring to work to to watch fight because they're it's not like spinning around kicking doing crazy stuff it's waiting and waiting and waiting for your shot and knocking somebody over and then holding them holding them down holding them gently and caressing them I don't know yeah it, it seemed a little bit gay to me and if I want to watch some men rolling around. I'm going to just turn on some of my gay porn. Uh, anyway, it looks like uh, Vaginal Bloodfart is going to be able to join us for the evening. So that's good news. Let's let's Skype him in. Let's call him and see if he's sleeping. Is he dreaming? If he's dreaming, is he dreaming of me? That has not started ringing. Big titted naked woman. Hey. Hey, Vag. Vag. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. It's vaginal blood fart, everybody. Hi, everybody that can't respond. Your voice sounds mellifluous. Mellif... Um... Okay. <laughs> Real pretty. Oh, good. Alright, I'm still trying to get my actual mic hooked up. I wasn't sure if the laptop itself would be good enough for this. Oh, it's good enough. Oh, good enough for the likes of us. That. Yeah, we, uh, Jick, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned, I just started rambling. Mentioned that I was on the show alone and panicked and started rambling. But, oh. <laughs> uh, Jick, so, you're, say you're a guy who... So far I'm with you. Yeah, okay. Whose livelihood is dependent on the work that you do on the internet. Right. When you travel to a place where you're going to be for a couple of weeks, uh-huh. and one of your goals is to do some work while you're there, what would you suggest that, that you make sure you have? Um, plenty of condoms. That too, yeah. That okay. too. Um, booze. Yeah, and lube, sure. Lube, lube also, if you're for the ladies. Uh, and then I would guess uh, a big helping of hubris. Hubris uh, can be useful with a little okay. salt. It's delicious. Well, where is he right now? Is he hiking or some shit? He's in San Francisco. With... I saw hiking around shit piles apparently. Yeah. And okay. any time that yeah. So anytime he goes to San Francisco or New York, he always messages me on the day of the show and says, "Dude, the internet here is kind of crappy and unreliable." 
So uh, I'm going to do my best. It's not like he's in a major metropolitan area where you could expect things like modern technology. And it's not like that's something you couldn't check before you, like, rented a hotel room or some shit. And it's... Oh, damn it, I'm ringing. Sorry. Um, Yeah, and it's not like that's a a solved problem for all the residents of those towns, I'm sure. (laughs) Like, really? No internet in San Francisco? Nothing reliable enough to broadcast, he was saying, or to, to Skype in. I think, Even considering that we're functioning with Comcastic Internet. Right. I think what I'm going to do is for uh, his birthday, I'm going to get him one of those freaking little hotspots that's always connected I'm, to the, the... I found one of those at work, actually, internet. I think. Well, presumably, as long as the person that lost it is paying the bill, you could just... That was going to be my next question. Is is the bulk of the cost there in the widget, or is it in the subscription to the thing that the widget is what i've seen it'll run you around 30 40 bucks a month that's not that bad really if no, it, but, wait a minute 30 40 <laughs> but that's assuming you're just gonna be able to catch whatever wi-fi is out there right or is that to allow you no because that would just be regular wi-fi yeah no hotspot is something that pulls the pulls 4g or 3g so cell phone internet so that's points it at you sorry i'm too popular today I keep forgetting to hit the right button that turns the sound off on my phone. Okay. If you got something sorry. important to do, I... I'm, I'm all Hollywood I and shit. Gonna, yeah, sorry. This has it. happened, I think, the last three podcasts Salsa and I have done as my phone has gone off at some point. So, I'm a bit of an ass in that regard. I'm that guy in the movie theater, except I'm not ever that guy in the movie theater. Yeah. Frequently, neither of us are the, the guy in a movie theater, period. True. Yeah, you guys had the uh, the long, 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 long debacle trying to get to see Tron, which still is not so long as it could have been, as I have yet still not seen Tron. So. Yeah, that was only that ended in that Christmas miracle, where. Uh, oh, that's right. Adam was able to come back for Christmas and didn't think he was going to be able to, and he was standing right next to his mom, who usually watches all the when we go see movies when he called. Huh. So. Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty badass. We're looking to see what movies came out this week. And we saw, we managed to see Black Swan and Tron. Black, 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 Black Swan, Swan and Tron. Black Swan was fantastic. It's the only, like, chilling horror movie about ballet I've ever seen. I'll give it that. It's pretty short. Actually, have you seen Suspiria? Yeah. I'm I didn't not... find it particularly chilling, but it's at least another horror movie involving some amount of ballet. Yeah, there, there was some dancing, sure. It's uh, yeah. that, that was the thinly applied premise. Yeah, I'm not uh, even as a horror fan. I'm not as up on Dario Argento's nuts as a lot of people are. I like it was all, it was cool. It was kind of a cool movie, but eh. the I found the best part to be the soundtrack. The soundtrack and the uh, whoever did their lighting was amazing. Like, there's some really bold and, if you look at it objectively, bizarre choices for how those scenes are lit. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they seem to make sense in the movie's world. Oh, Hot Wife just brought me three tacos, which I can't eat, because they're crunchy. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, crunch away. Yeah, people just uh, assume that uh, I finally got the munchies from hitting this bong. I was going to say, yeah, considering that we've probably got the bong sound effects in full effect, those effects may be wrecked, I don't know, or wrecked. How, how do you... Rexed in right. effect. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how you make that into a verb. Rexed. Rexed? But then, yeah, but I was just going to think dinosaurs. 
Wreck is generally a verb. Oh, give me a noun, too. But I mean, if it's like the, what was it, W-R-E-C-X-X? Was that, or is it just W-R-E-X-X? I think it was, uh, it was W-R-E-X, there's no Rex in effect. Uh, anybody like else the, remember? The apostrophe or apostrophe N or whatever, like salt and pepper. Nobody knew how to spell in the 90s. Daily dose of really 90s hip-hop lack of knowledge. Like, it was wreck, like W-R-E-C-K-X. Really? Wow. That's too many huh. wor too many consonants right there. Yeah, that's less good. Well known for the classic tune, Rump Shaker. Ah, put it right next to your salt shaker and your pepper shaker. Indeed. <laughs> now I kind of want to do that. <laughs> What's that? That's my rump shaker. That's my rump shaker. What would you put in it, though? Uh, it'd have to actually have something in it that you would then be able to use during dinner. But it would have to be somehow butt-related. Yeah. Is there something called, like, butt cinnamon, or... <laughs> what, about the, the, what about that star on East that kind of looks like an asshole? That's sort of like, you could do that, right? Sure. Or, You'd have to have a pretty big hole in the shaker, but it would be worth it. Well, I mean, you could grind it and just say that's what... You could tape onto the front, and then people would believe that that's what was inside, whether or not you actually did that. By the way, I should point out, when we're talking comedy here, that Vaginal Bloodfart has a tattoo on his finger that looks like a mustache. Yeah. So a motherfucker which, knows comedy. Well, <laughs> yeah. The sad thing is that's normally um, a, a red flag for hipsterism. Uh-huh. But as you can attest, there is nothing about me hipstery. <laughs> I'm far too uncool to be a hipster. Uh, well, that, well, you're far too disinclined to pose to be a your the uh, yeah the, the the finger mustache came from a, a conversation with an improv group I was in about I, I, either I had just gotten a must uh, mustache I had just gotten <laughs> I, I just, just got this mustache, mustache. Like, fuck yeah check it how could I make this better and they're like put a f no uh, I, either I had just gotten a tattoo or we were talking about tattoos and I think I had as per usual surprised people with the fact that I don't put a lot of thought into my tattoos right um, as the KOL tattoo on my neck. Uh, <laughs> perhaps proves. Um, and so then the, the idea became what's the dumbest possible tattoo you could get. And the general consensus that was floated in the room was that it should be something that is clearly like not meant to be permanent. Like it should be either something that is definitely going to be a passing fad or like a, a permanent tattoo of like a temporary tattoo, you know, um, something like that. And so that we came down to the idea of a finger mustache being the dumbest possible tattoo. Yeah. And one week later at their next rehearsal, I had it because I'm that guy. Nice. I might have told that story on the radio before. I'm sorry if I did. I don't think so. I think that I, that was an interesting thing when we like met and started hanging out with you. She was like, God, a KOL tattoo. He must be a guy who is so into our game. But then I saw you in the, the various tattoos. Like, okay, right. he is a guy who is way into tattoos. <laughs> exactly. I just, I just like tattoos and think it's fun to get more. And yeah. sometimes if I don't have a good idea, I don't want that to stop me from getting more. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Mine, so. I, uh, you know, I had, the, had a drug trip where and I discovered that the G7 chord was my favorite chord. Right. And uh, I waited a year on that one just to make sure that I wasn't just into it. Th that was my first tattoo, and only thus far. And then uh, the main reason I got it was the pretentious artist 
kept having shows where I wanted to buy some of his art and I never had enough money to do it. So I got a tattoo, then had him draw it, and then I had oh, some of his cool. art. Yeah, I've got uh, the the large uh, topless fairies on my forearms were drawn by a friend of mine, hmm. um, which I really dug. He he did the artwork for another uh, uh, books another friend of mine wrote, and I helped do like the cleanup and scanning and all that shit for him. So I got credit on I think the first two I did. Um, and so yeah, it was like a neat way to have like okay, here's something that's uh, something I want anyway, but cooler to have someone. Uh, someone else that you actually know and respect draw it for you, which is kind of fun. That and I now do just whatever tattoos I think will be really painful just to find out if they are or not. Thus the inside of the lip tattoo. Right. Is that one mostly gone or do I just not suck on your lip enough? A little of both. Just saying. I mean, you could hold me. But, uh, the, yeah, the, the inside of the lip, um, I think he pr- just didn't, he, he basically, the dude that did it, uh, did it for like 30 bucks, which is, you know, nothing, but it also barely covers his expenses for the equipment he was using, because you have to throw it all out if he used it at all. Sure. And uh, I basically just kind of talked him into doing it for 30 bucks, because I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it, and I didn't, maybe because I didn't have any money. Uh, by telling him, but then you can tell people you did this, and so he figured, okay, whatever. So it's basically done the same way if you took a ballpoint pen and wrote punk on the inside of your lower lip, it would look like the thing did when it was brand new, like very thin, very not dark, and so it wore off pretty, because of course, you, you you know, that skin that's not exactly meant to last very long. Yeah. So, and I've asked the woman that does all my tattoos now to touch it up, but she doesn't think that's a place that's safe to tattoo. And she's probably right, and so she doesn't want to touch it, so I'm going to have to find someone else that's willing to touch it up for me. <laughs> With the same loose moral fiber of the initial guy, I guess. She's like, hey, you're a tattoo artist. Are, are you a, a conscientious tattoo right. artist, or are you somebody well, who will do whatever the fuck bought? I want? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, the next step I- is... Uh, I actually had a contest in the forum... A, forums a couple years ago to design a tattoo for me. That's a great idea. And a guy came up with a a KOL-themed tattoo that I really liked, but it occurred to me that it would kind of make me sad if I got a KOL tattoo that Zach didn't draw. Oh, yeah. Given that... Couldn't you just take the idea and have Jick draw it? Yeah, I've asked him to, and... If that's anything like a custom avatar, (laughs) it could be a while. He was kind of touched and horrified at the same time. To think that he would draw something that I would then get tattooed. Because he hates drawing tattoos for the game because he always, like, frets about how they're going to look and he wants them to look better than all the other art because they're tattoos and that's important and so he's kind of freaked out. Right. They're like, you know, it's... I want the tattoo because it would mean something to have him draw it and have it on there. If I just wanted a tattoo of, like... A guy with a skull mask and a paddle. I'm sure that a tattoo artist could do it, in you know, grand but it have the same, style. I don't know. But it wouldn't mean anything, you know. The, right, this should yeah. be the the like commemoration. It would look too of, boy. Yeah, it should be the like the commemoration of this bizarre eight years of my life, and that has a lot to do with that dude. Right, right. Yeah, the uh, who. Shit, I just changed windows. Who 
Oh, uh, Milo the Oaf in radio chat uh, posted dumbest tattoo, ass antlers. True. Is that antlers on your butt? That's what or... some people call the the tribal tramp stamp because it kind of looks uh, like a pair of antlers for your butt. No, I got you. No, I see that then. Right on. Yeah, I, I've seen pictures of people that have actual handlebars tattooed on their lower back. That may give that one a run for its money. Then again, maybe by being ironically self-aware, you're no longer as good. Hmm. Is, is there ever, an, is there, a, is there, okay, this is a broader, <laughs> sorry, I'm totally turning this into one of my shows. Oh, that's fine. That's <laughs> is, fine there, is there a, can tribal tattoos or, uh, let's say like the, the, the barbed wire wrapped around the bicep, like, can that be done in a way that doesn't suck? I'm I mean, not... I guess the, the earnestness of the wearer, you know, if it's part of, you know, like, I'm all with new sincerity. I guess if that's really what you like and want, that should be okay, even though I don't think it looks good. I think if you're the person who is is dedicated to that and is aware of the stigma surrounding it, but think that, you know... You say, fuck it, I'm doing it anyway, I guess. Fuck everybody, I want a bitch in tribal on my calf, brah. Then, I don't but see, think... that's the question though. Like, maybe they don't. Maybe you wouldn't say bra at the end. That's the that's the that's the problem. That's why you shouldn't get that. Because uh, everybody would assume you'd say bra at the end. You know. Well, maybe you don't care what everybody else thinks, and you just want some bitch and tribal on your calf. The uh, the fact that I always think of it as bitch and tribal bra. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, it's so funny. funny. That's the thing. Like, I I don't think I know anybody with tribal stuff that doesn't look kind of weak. And I know a couple of dudes that have uh, the barbed wire armband thing, and right. it's like, yeah, made fun of them. Like in talking about tattoos, sometimes before I even realized that I had them, I would make fun of that, and then they would roll up the sleeve for what's supposed to be the uncomfortable reveal, and uh. I'm supposed to feel dumb because I made fun of that just now, but had no problem with going. Yeah, see, that looks super gay. <laughs> <laughs> if the I'm most sorry, famous iteration. Of that tattoo is Pamela Anderson. Maybe that's not the hardest core tattoo you could get. Right? Yeah, good point. Good if point. you had it around the base of your dick, that might be hardcore. But only in the way that having a tattoo on your dick is hardcore. Wow. Uh, Baron von Bickpenlord says... I just saw that. One of my friend's students had harder tattooed on her ass. She chose to show the rest of her vocational high school class after getting it. Hopefully I, she had a bunch of friends, and one of them got better, one of them got faster, one of them got stronger, one of them got the hour after hour, and never and over. You know, just did the, the entire Daft Punk song that they could then do oh, that, okay. that thing I, that I the guy no did with the fingers. I had no idea where you were going with that until just now. That's how culturally irrelevant I am. <laughs> Have you seen the video of somebody who had written yes. the words, the lyrics to the song on their hands and did that? Oh, like, I saw the one with the two chicks that did it on their arms and legs and shit. Yeah. So what you do is you get a bunch of friends and you each put one of the words on your ass. The more difficult part there is acquiring a bunch of friends. Especially if you get the tattoo first and then try and convince yeah. a whole bunch of people. See, now here's my... Um, among the next tattoos I'm going to get, um, there's uh, a pinup that I got out of that... What's the dude's name that did Lilo and Stitch? You had the art book that I photocopied it out of. Oh, Chris, uh, Chris Sanders. Chris Sanders, yeah. There's one of the incredibly hot looking pinups he did from that like his third art book or whatever from comic con was it last year or something 
Yeah. Um, I made a copy of one of those and gave it to our artist, and I'm going to be doing one of those. I haven't quite figured out where yet. Um, as well as, I think I'm going to try to do the uh, portrait of my family as zombies that uh, Jared from Head Injury Theater, I forget what he's called in game. Oh God, the rats. Oh God, the rats that he drew uh, for me. Um, and then, let's see. Otherwise, oh, and then the other one I want to do is on the leg that does not have a big stupid dragon. Um, I want to do from about just below the knee, like just above the meaty part of the calf to just above like the ankle bone, uh, Tetris, where it'll be maybe a third filled with irregular shaped blocks and levels, and then there'll be a few pieces all the way around the leg in process of falling. But I can't tell if that's dumb or not. And so I I think think I have to get it and let people tell me. I think that's kind of awesome. I kind of think so too. So, I don't know. I feel like that's the one I'm a little more excited about right now. So I kind of want to do that next, but that's also going to take for fucking ever and hurt a lot because the dragon I have tattooed on the other calf was maybe the most painful tattoo I've ever gotten. Which I didn't expect. Then again, that was also the reason I got that was uh, the woman that does my tattoos now when we used to work together at... uh, Kingo's, and she was a really phenomenal artist, and uh, she was always like, oh, one day I'm going to be a tattoo artist. I'm like, sure, Angie, whatever. And, like, two years after I quit, uh, I get this phone call out of the blue. She wants to talk to someone that still knew me and had my number. And she's like, I'm a tattoo artist now. You always said you'd let me give you one if I was learning. And I was like, yeah, because I didn't think that was going to (laughs) happen. And uh, she's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I'll think of something. She goes, how about a dragon? I said, no, that's really cliche and kind of dumb. I don't really want... How about a dragon? I don't really want a dragon, actually, Andy. Those are pretty stupid. Look, I do a really cool dragon. Fine. You can do a dragon. Just do a dragon. We'll put it on my leg, and, you know, we'll make it kind of small, so if it sucks, no one will really see it, and I don't have to look at it. Uh, my entire left calf is wrapped all the way around big, orange-red, fucking enormous dragon. And it's not bad. No, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the best thing bad, in the world, sure. but it's not bad. So... I don't know, but it took 26 hours, so I've done more fun things. That's a lot of hours. You know, my, uh, my favorite tattoo that I've seen is Amplitude. Back in the day, uh, when is he, he was... The, uh, is he the one with the American flag tattoo? No, uh, his is better. On his, on his thigh, he That's has... a weird place for tattoo. He has a, pr- a purple drawing, like a... It, if you drew something in purple pen and did all the shading in purple, it's like a monochrome okay. purple portrait of himself as a vampire. Wow! And he is just—he is not that guy at all, right? Did, but did, when he did, was a teenager, is there a place I can go to see that? Purple. I mean, aside from like his crotch. I don't think so. You—you you could hit him up on Facebook and be like. <laughs> Hey, I'm a, like, I'm I, a friend of Scully's. I need and to see what that looks like. I wanted to see your awesome vampire tattoo, bro. Do I have to say awesome before I've seen it? <laughs> take it take it from me. I don't want to, maybe, but I, <laughs> dude, I don't want to commit to a judgment on that, maybe. Oh, my, my other favorite was um, a K-Well player named Lucy Space. He was, okay. he was like totally awesome person online. I met her in at one of the meets, and she... She seemed just kind of out there a little bit, like, okay. like a spacey, you know, so I figured... Too out there to tune into this radio show, I hope? Well, yeah, she, I don't think that she would be mad, because it, it ends up being a complimentary story. 
But she had that I, kind of like not dumb, but just kind of oh yeah, hey, okay, right on. So she like bent over or something, and I saw the like a cloud on the small of her back. I said, hey, do you have a tattoo back there? And she pulls up her shirt in the back, and it's a space shuttle taking off, like a oh, really cool. really good like photo almost photo reel. I said, oh, so what, what's that about? She said, you know, I'm really interested in space. And I'm just getting my master's in aeronautical engineering. Huh. And that, like, spacey tone just vanished. Like, yeah, I'm getting my master's in aeronautical engineering. And it turns out she's a fucking genius. She's a rocket scientist. And that's why she has the tattoo on her back. That was not my initial thought when I saw it. You know, it's like... Awesome. Yeah, there's a, there's a belly dancer out at Fest who... Is, is basically that. And so when in an argument she's the best thing ever to pull out, like, are you kidding me? The chick over there with her tits hanging out is a fucking rocket scientist. <laughs> you know, like, I love that out there. But uh, it's weird people. I don't know enough, maybe I don't know enough um, strange, smart people with bizarre careers yet. I gotta work on that. I feel like you can you can collect that. Yeah, it's like a little trading card game. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who make livings in weird ways, i got to say. I have a lot of friends with hidden talents. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, is, it is weird every year to go to Ren Fair and see all of the people that I hang out with at parties, like, juggling fire and shit. Like, there's somebody at... It, it, like, uh, it's not a thing. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. this is... My friend is also this completely different person who does these things. Like, there's a girl at the... A uh, woman, sorry, at the gypsy tent, uh, part of Fandazi, that yeah. has a hula hoop that has torches oh, yeah, sticking out of it. Cool. And she lights them all and does this amazing shit. Like, things that I wouldn't think you could do with a hula hoop that wasn't on fire, she does with a hula hoop on fire. And I like to think of her... I don't know what she does for a living, but I like to think of her, like, sitting behind a desk as a receptionist. No, but odds are you're right. Answering phones and stuff. Most people are. And everybody who walks by has no idea that she's, like, a fire-twirling gypsy, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, look at the other Fendazis I know. One is a teacher. One worked in a print shop. One's a carpenter. I mean, they're very normal, mundane day jobs. They just happen to be able to blow, you know, 12-foot fireballs and juggle things that would kill most people. It is weird going and feeling like you've wasted your life because you don't know how to juggle fire. I mean, I can teach you. Or, <laughs> ordinarily, you long. would feel like if you did know how to juggle fire, you'd wasted your life a little bit. Yeah. Like, that that would have been wasted time. But, you know, it's not. That's way cooler than, like, being really good at Halo. Uh, I assume. Yeah, I'm not really good at Halo either. I don't know. I find that the... Uh, it, I, anytime I've decided like someone out at Fest is doing something that I think is really, really cool, basically I've decided, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to learn to do that. And like learning to juggle, those are like two weeks. Yeah. And I could now juggle whatever. Like, not a big deal. I'm not great, but I can do it, you know. And I saw some magic tricks I wanted to learn to do, bought the shit, and now I'm learning to do that. Give me another couple of months, I'll be able to levitate shit. I feel like it's just a matter of... Well, Penn Jillette described it very accurately, which is the average person looks at a magic trick and goes, huh, cool. I wonder how that works. 
and they'd think about it for 30 seconds and move the fuck on. No. If you want to actually be able to do magic, you have to go, huh, cool, I wonder how that works. Oh, that's, that's how it works. And it will take six months of practice. And most people would practice it for ten minutes. Some might practice it for a day. Very few will practice it for six months, which is why you pay someone to do magic in front of you. Right. So, I don't know. I'm just learning that my time is not worth what I thought it was, so I might as well <laughs> practice some shit. It's kind of disheartening, though. Like, you know, I'd, I'd like to learn how to spin poi, but mm-hmm. I already know so many people who are good at it. Like, I don't know. Maybe when they're all doing it, I can do it some, too, and not be quite as good. But, I mean, that all just depends upon what your goal is. What do you want to get out of it? Do you want to do it because you think it's cool and you would enjoy it? Yeah, I think it's great. Fun. Knowing more people is handy. If you want to be a performer, well, it's kind of tough to tra- train with your competitors. That's not a great move. <laughs> Someday I might uh, go to a rave again. That shit could happen. <laughs> and then I could do the, do the glow sticks. Glow stick poi is awesome. Huh. With or without drugs. It's also less dangerous. Um, like, you'll, you'll hit yourself in the nuts... And it'll hurt, but then you won't be also on fire. <laughs> that just means you're not doing it right. <laughs> oh, so uh, on the Twitter, uh, James R. Oh, yeah, are we going to do actual questions? I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump in and out of them. People, uh, people, people know. That's why the uh, listenership has dropped considerable yeah, since I announced that it would not be a jigsaw. Let me see who... Uh, Marana says she blew fire once. Yeah, and I've done it a few times. Like, you only have to do it three or four times to really know how to do it. And once you know how, this doesn't really matter much to practice unless you're going to be performing. So it's like, okay, you can just say that's one thing I've done. Yeah. Once is kind of enough for most people. Oh, by the way, uh, before you get into the questions, let me just point out, um, the uh, since I'm not going to know anything about the questions, much less can't read the questions, if you have anything you'd like us to talk about or anything you'd like us to shut the fuck up about, uh, post it in radio chat. I'm watching that since that's all I can really watch. So if there's anything interesting, uh, drop it in there and I'll uh, try to comment. You know what? Actually, we have gained listeners since the beginning of the show. So never mind. You like nice. it. You really like it. It's, it's my uh, celebrity uh, draw. Yeah, uh-huh. draw. Right? Oh, uh, Atrophied says he doesn't know a guy named Fire. <laughs> and Marana <laughs> says he went by the name Adam. Fire was his middle name. Thank you. Thank you for uh, that. Winking smiley. He got in trouble for blowing bubbles in the bathtub. Hi-oh. Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> bubbles was the chimp. Anyway. The chimp, yeah. So uh, Hot Stuff had posted a picture of him at a uh, some big bookstore in Portland, and James Knapp... Oh, uh, dude, the bookstore is the shit. Yeah. Powell's? Yeah, never been. Oh, my God. Yeah, they have, like, uh, enormous, like, three- or four-story bookstore, and the, the walls are all just scrawled with... Uh, autographs from various authors that have done readings there. I went to visit a friend there way back in the day and saw Dan Savage reading from uh, The Boy when it was new. Ooh. And uh, found the the pillar that has Neil Gaiman's autograph with a s- simple drawing of the Sandman on it. Wow. Yeah, cool shit. Anyway, sorry, I Dude. totally just humped your story. So this guy, uh, James R. Knapp, K-N-A-P-P, is an actual published author who's a uh, king of the loathing guy and Asked uh, Hot Stuff to look for his two books, State of Decay and The Silent Army. I'm still working my way through State of Decay, not because it's not good, but because my reading time is severely limited. But uh, that's the same problem. That that is good shit. Like, and somebody found a different angle 
for like futuristic zombie stuff. Ooh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm opening Amazon right now. <laughs> okay, vamp until I can get my wish list up. So what I can, from what I can ascertain from as far in it as I am, there's this kind of mm-hmm. caste system in the future. Okay. And if you're a lower caste, you have to serve in the military to get kicked up to full citizenship. You know, kind of high okay. So it's but, like Starship Troopers. Yeah, but if you don't want to do that, you can just sign up to have it be after you die. They take your body and shove cybernetics and shit in it and send you off to war as zombie soldier. Awesome. And the idea is maybe some of these dead people who are supposed to not have any thoughts of their own or anything maybe do. Oh my god. Okay, what's this called again? State of Decay. State of Decay. And just uh, just in the like 50 pages I've read, it's a really immersive and detailed world, just briefly and masterfully sketched out with all of the things that would happen if you could do that. Like, Maybe these things that are supposed to be for military use are on the private market for people who have enough money. Like, maybe they're right. not all soldiers. Maybe some of them are hot girls with implants. Like, so interesting stuff. It's State awesome. of Decay. I haven't, uh, I haven't read any fiction in a long time, and I kind of miss it. I just haven't known where to jump back in. Hmm. That's good stuff. So, that seems like a decent place to start. Uh, Numenor says, how much longer are the Krimco headquarters and the advent calendar hanging around? Uh, I wouldn't give Krimco more than a couple of days. That's up to Jake, but that should be going away pretty soon. We've given you ample chances to spend your script. Uh, the advent calendar usually hangs out in your campground until you've punched everything, and then it goes away. I wouldn't expect that to be gone... If you hadn't punched it all. Yeah, I oh yeah, more Sorry, I just I looked at the photo. I got oh, a tiny so plastic cool. Mr. Manation and a tiny plastic best game ever. Uh, I don't, I mean, I've told you because we went out for beers the other night, but uh, fucking great Crimbo this year, again, in front of other people, so there's proof. <laughs> Thanks. I, yeah, fucking loved it. And as I mentioned to you the other night, I actually, when the photocopier fax machine thingy came out, the the first thing I thought when I clicked on it was your ass. <laughs> and I thought that was the entire point of the item, was just if you clicked on it, you had to just fight someone's butt, and it would just maybe randomly pick a name, or maybe it was just, like, the fucking powers that be or whatever. And I thought that made it the coolest thing you'd ever put in the game. <laughs> so at least one person was thoroughly satisfied, even with that limited misconception of what the item did. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck yes. Anytime I want to laugh, I can click on this and fight Scully's butt. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, fucking loved it. You're one of the few people privileged to be able to just fight my butt in person. Right, yeah. Whatever you Which want. is always a losing battle for some reason. It is. Because knowing is half of that battle. and It's more of a battle of attrition. <laughs> once the knowing is done, you know, we don't feel like fighting anymore. Biblically, knowing. Exactly. <laughs> Damn, now I, I can just imagine the little G.I. Joe PSA that ends with knowing biblically is half the battle. Right. Oh, um, for Casey Wiederman, the, uh, what was the name of the author? Was it James Knapp? K-N-A-P-P? Yes. Yes, okay. Sorry. I don't know if you said that again or not. His, um, yeah, I forget his K-O-L name, but 
I'm sure he could tell me if he's right. Well, I'm pretty sure it's not published under that, so he'd probably be more happy with his real name. Yeah, I believe State of Decay is the first one. That's the one that I... I, I they're they're both on my Amazon wish list, and I'm due any day now for my PayPal transfer from the article and editing website I do online for Hookers and Blow Money. So it's probably going yeah. straight to that. Now that Steam is done doing their holiday sales and I have control of my checkbook again... That's your life has even out. What were you playing? What was I playing? Like when? Today? Yeah, what was the last thing you were into? Uh, the last game? Let's see. In the last 24 hours, I have played... Um, uh, a Reckless Disregard for Gravity, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, Greed Corp, Machinarium, uh, Overlord, Shatter... Uh, Torchlight, Xenoclash, The Misadventures of PB, Winterbottom, and I just downloaded Trine and Braid, which I've not had a chance to play yet. I think Braid may be the next thing I try to play on the computer. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, for the last week and a half or whatever, it's been like all this great shit for like a two to five dollars. So basically any game that was five bucks or less on Braid, I just bought if it sounded at all interesting, and I have yet to be disappointed. And, uh, yeah, there's a couple that I, I almost bought that they were still, like, you know, 10 bucks or 15 bucks, which was still a heroic discount, except that I knew Lappy wouldn't run them. But uh, I thought maybe it's worth buying now in the event that, because Lappy's kind of not doing very well, I should just buy them now, and then I can re-download them once I buy the new laptop that can run these games. But I, I like the instant gratification in my self-gratification. So... Yeah, Limbo is also on my list, Casey Wiederman. Uh, I watched a demo for that yesterday and desperately want to play that. That one I'm pretty sure I could run. You played Limbo, Scully? I saw it played. I watched... Uh, I think I watched Adam play it for a little bit. And it struck me as something that I wouldn't enjoy playing, but would like to watch people do. Yeah, there's a weird niche. Is that something that came out of being growing up in like the NES era? that you spent enough time watching, like, the other guy play when he was, like, player two, that you can have an appreciation for a game as a passive experience? I don't know. I think that I have a respect for video games and not much patience with them. That could be. So, I, I guess there are games I would prefer to watch someone who is good at it yeah. play it and continually advance than play it myself and just beat my head against a wall sometimes. Like, uh... Like, Silent, uh, Silent Hill 2, I was fine watching someone else play it. Because it's fucking gorgeous. Is it... So when I was trading controllers with a buddy, like, no big deal, you know? Yeah. What was the one recently that had the electricity-based powers for the PS3? The infamous, uh, maybe? I don't know, because I have a Wii, because I'm yeah. an idiot. Some, um, some electricity-based thing. So, like, Adam was like, dude, you have to try this game. He throws it in. He's, like, jumping and running and skipping and flying and wasting hobos left and right in this awesome game. And then he handed me the controller, and I just kind of... with it. And, uh... Kind of Arkham Asylum is the same way. Just, like... It's gonna take at least an hour to get fluid enough with these controls that it feels yeah. like I'm Batman and not Batman's retarded, crippled brother. So I would rather just watch somebody rock it out. Right. That's just as entertaining. Yeah, I, I've never, like, I, I enjoyed playing Street Fighter, like, back in the day, as long as I was playing with people of the same skill level as me. 
but I never wanted to spend the time learning every fucking combo so that I could do it without thinking about it. And so a game that takes some real effort and memorization and, like, investment of, to, like, play well is not a fun game to me. I mean, it could be a cool game, it can be an interesting game, but it's probably not that much fun because, to me, you play a game to just kind of fuck around and have a good time. Right. Half-Life was, or Half-Life 2 or whatever, was, like, the best FPS for me because you could just kind of pick it up and play it if you did it on the right difficulty level. You didn't have to be all fucking crazy, lol, nut, teabag, lamezor, sniping, faggot, whatever. You could just kind of fumble your way through and just see the story. I so. quit Half-Life 2 an hour in. When it was... There was a... Really? Yeah, like, one of the third or fourth things that you do is try and get away from some people who are shooting at you, and you go through a train yard... And have to like fucking platform across trains. Oh yeah, that was tough as shit. With the FPS view, and it's like first person is not the perspective that you want for platforming. So I did it like eight or nine times, and like you know what? I only get like forty-five minutes every week to play video games, and I'm not making any progress. I don't want to still be playing this forty-five minutes of it. No, I can see that. I mean, that's fair. What was the other, I was thinking, games, Frontiers, games without Frontiers, Doctors Without Borders. We've been playing uh, Ticket to Ride on the Xbox. Pretty much what... Yeah, we're doing good things. Yeah, what the, what the Xbox is for us is a venue by which we can play board games online and watch movies. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome to be able to, like, play Settlers of Catan against four random people at a moment's notice. And to watch Fair Netflix. Enough. It's also the, uh... It's our DVD player now. So that's kind of useful. Oh, nice. Other than that, meh. Uh, Pineapple of Despair says... Oh, Numenor said that sometimes, historically, the advent calendar disappears even if you haven't punched it all. So... I think my purpose when people ask game questions is to provide an answer and for other people to correct it, and then everybody knows. <laughs> We're facilitating a better understanding of loathing in general. We're getting to the truth. Indeed. Uh, Pineapple of Despair says, Dear old codgers. Hey, fuck codgers. you. Codgers. Maybe he meant what? badgers. Ah, yes. Maybe he meant a badger that's half cod. Indeed. Could we possibly get an Igor chat effect? Um, yeah. What would an Igor... Like, I know that Igor in our game tends to talk like the... The Igors from Terry Pratchett books. Which is kind of like... A lisp... And a British accent. Because I want to eat a taco. Um, I've never read any Terry Pratchett. Should I? Discuss. Yes. Fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) That's That's the discussion. Okay, uh, discuss and convince me. Fucker. Oh, okay. Um, did you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Uh-huh. Okay, so think, say, Hitchhiker's Guide and Dirk Gently, which were, Dirk Gently had a little more, like, soul to it, I feel. Okay. And kind of port that style into a fantasy setting, and that's pretty much what you got with Pratchett. And, you know, maybe add in, like, a soupçon of Neil Gaiman. 
since there's always like so you're in this ridiculous silly world and there are some things that are like anachronistic and, and funny and like equivalent of modern things and making fun of fantasy tropes etc but then there's always some really interesting idea behind everything too that drives everything okay. along and so I, I've never been sorry that I've read one of his books like they every single one of them even the, the first couple are kind of still finding his feet I guess but even those like everything I've read from that dude has been awesome and that's something for a guy who's written 34 books so well, yeah I definitely recommend it a somebody made a flowchart a while back that had ways into the series because like they're not all connected where you have to have read all of them before you dive into one there are a couple of like there's a series of books that's about witches off in one place and then a series that's about the night watchmen in the big city and so you could start at any one of those entrance points and somebody made a great little chart for that we'll see if I can find it because then you can just pick one of those and go and I have half of them I think yeah I recommend it it'd be nice if somebody would take that recommendation because I keep telling that to Jake and he's all there's so many books I don't like books uh, Play Havoc says the desert bus pass looks like a taco or a hot dog. <laughs> it's a card with a magnetic strip in it. Man. Man. Uh, Grimdell says, I just noticed that Mr. Ace can be pulled at Mr. Store but not labeled as a free pull at Hanks. Was there a reason for this? Uh, yeah, Mr. Ace can be equipped and they give a bonus to your stats and that's not something we want you to have during hardcore as a free pull and softcore. But we still want you to be able to spend them in the Mr. Store, otherwise you're not inclined to give us money, and we like it when you give us money. Right. Oh, um, by the way, two quick moments. Uh, I'm now fully tacoed and sadly under-whiskeyed, but I am thoroughly uh, enjoying Tech Rat's uh, greeting to the chat channel of Good Evening, Madeira Ratio. <laughs> Which <laughs> maybe Horatio's less popular younger brother... Or maybe he just only likes some of us. I don't know. <laughs> the dear ratio of And now someone named know. Ratio is in here, so maybe that was really dumb of me to say that before that part popped up. Fuck. <laughs> uh. it, it looked like a typo. It I really didn't. I thought it was a really awesome typo. I wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> if Ratio was a brand new character who just created that. <laughs> right. In the Sadly last no. 45 seconds, someone else did that just to make me look like an ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, story of my life. He does not need uh. your help. Um, let's see. I want to take a music break, but I also I just saw that uh, Anne Francis died today. Of uh, Anne for, Frank. Uh, Anne Francis. Anne Frank died a while ago. Frank, Frank to her friends, though, right? Yeah, uh, Frank Black is still alive. Right. But Anne Francis was uh, in Forbidden Planet and immortalized in the science fiction double feature song from Rocky Horror. Yeah, so I'm kind of bummed about that. I'll play a little thing. Also, super bummed that Pete Postlethwaite died. He's one of my favorite. I'm sorry, who? One of my favorite that guy actors, Pete Postlethwaite. Oh, nice. I love that guy actors like Oliver Platt. Yeah, I know. If you look up a picture of Pete Postlethwaite, you'll recognize him immediately. He's in like. Now it's a challenge. The movies How, that I like. Can you spell I like that fucked him? up last name? 
P-O-S- Oh, wait, never mind. Google will fix it for me. Right. Oh, that guy! Yeah. Usual Suspects. Yeah, fucking everything. Inception. I actually don't remember who he was in Inception. He's only 64? I guess. He aged poorly. Yeah, no one is going to need him or feed him, sadly. Um, you know, I my... think that's a Beatles reference? Yes. Yeah, fuck the Beatles? Okay. Have we said that yet? Okay, Mr. Punk. It's not about whether or not I how, listen to how punk edgy of you Beatles to, just are not that great. How edgy of you to say the Beatles aren't that great. Wow, dude. Remember earlier when I was like, I'm all about the new sincerity? <laughs> way, way to go there, man. That's, that's a bold statement. Shock me, shock me, shock me with your deviant behavior. I hate you so much right now. Wait a minute, I'm doing you a fucking favor. I'm on your <laughs> bullshit radio show. Although right. then again, you are on my bullshit radio show, so now we're even. He was Wait, a... no, I've done your bullshit radio show more times. That's true. So fuck you. You owe me, like, five more appearances and liking my taste in music. Ha-ha! I do like your taste in music. Generally, right, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I likes me some Agent Orange and... and, uh, and yeah, Agent Orange and is really good. That, that Vandals CD that you had in your truck the last time I borrowed it? Hollywood Potato Chip. You know, if I'm not careful, folks, Vaginal Bloodfart turns into the guy that I just take advantage of for, for some of the things that he has, like a wife who will watch my kid and a truck. <laughs> like, I, which I, sucks, I, because I, I enjoy spending time things. with you, but, you know. No, it's you're always welcome to either of those things, my truck or my wife. Mm. Take my she wife. may have her own opinions. <laughs> <laughs> right. If If she will have me, I can have her. Uh, yeah, you know my favorite movie Pete Postlethwaite was in? My favorite performance of his? Dragonheart. Dragonheart. Is that the one with Sean Connery? Yep. I don't care who knows it, man. Dragonheart. I don't mind that movie, to be fair. <laughs> it gave me two lines that I use, like, almost daily. That, I am the last. Of course. And then, uh, at the beginning, when the, like... The warrior guy is going off to fight the peasants and he like Dennis Quaid's in charge of watching the young prince and isn't allowed to fight and right. the, the big Scottish guy you know, like, the peasants are revolting they've always been revolting lad now they're rebelling and then he takes off to go fight and he turns to Dennis Quaid and goes you can come too nursemaid <laughs> you'll be surprised how often in your daily life you can come too nursemaid which reminds me, I was just re-listening to the episode of the Nerdist podcast where Craig Ferguson was the guest. Because <laughs> apparently Craig Ferguson's real Scottish accent is as bad as your shitty Scottish accent. <laughs> but there's a part in there where the, he uh, comes on and is uh, Chris Hardwick does some stand-up at the beginning in the show. As you might imagine, being called the Nerdist has a relatively nerdy bent. And he comes on and starts kind of picking on him for talking about zombies and shit. And they kind of go back and forth with callbacks. And at some point, Chris Hardwick gets the best of him. And there's this pause, and he goes, Et tu, nerdist, et tu. <laughs> <laughs> very, very Scottish and awesome. And uh, it's one of my favorite moments. Uh, by the way, uh, for those of you listening, uh, run, don't walk to listen to the Nerdist podcast. Um, it's super fucking good. 
And uh, especially if you have any interest in comedy or think you're funny at all, uh, he has mostly comedians on. And people like Drew Carey and Fred Willard and, uh, God, there's too many to mention, Paul F. Tompkins, um, uh, Kevin Pollack, will get into how they're funny and how they write jokes, and it's fucking fascinating. Yeah. Uh, for those of us that perform comedy and try to be more funny. Oh, so good. Sorry. Anyway, uh, unpaid plug. To be more funny. But, uh, okay, let's take a little musical interlude yeah. into our web. We're so, back in about 15 minutes. I can read whiskey. And we're back. And speaking of that one, uh, Fred Levi says, When did these rants turn into songs happen anyway? Is there a way to listen to them in their original context? Yeah. Um, well, they happened on our radio show a long time ago. In a galaxy yeah, far, I mean, far away. You can just go to the archives, right? Yeah, I'm trying to see if the wiki will let us know. Just Google, like, Shorebot rant? Yeah. uh, Somebody posted the text of it in full. I think it was back in 2005. Yeah, that was old. Like, way old. The transcript was posted on January 25th, 2005. So, that, that was a while ago at this point. Was I playing then? I don't know, you should uh, slash who is yourself. Well, I mean, okay, this character might not have been playing then. I was playing before I was playing as Vaginal Bloodfart. (laughs) Yeah, Vag was created in 2006. But uh, I had other characters before that. Weirdly, this was just the one that caught on. (laughs) the most memorable, I think, of the, uh, the most memorable possible player name that you could have come up right. with. Although, Queefrag is right up there. Queefrag is right up. I do still have, uh, a multi named Queefrag, so. <clears throat> Beer Babies was back when I was still living in Flagstaff, so that was probably 2005 as well. There was just this, this one guy, Yab, who would, when a good rant came up... He had done, he did a Shorebots one for Jick. That one's awesome. And then, uh, I was kind of sad that I hadn't been remixed yet. And so the, the Beer Babies thing was kind of awesome. Nice. That was completely off the top of my head. It was just, this is where babies come from. It has to do yeah, with... Yeah, but that's the best way to do that shit. Yeah. The, uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen any of those recently. I don't think that's a, as big a thing anymore. Just kind of sad. Because no. it, it is awfully fun. There's also the uh, Jake's rant about uh, the techno remix of the Four Non Blondes song. Oh my god, yeah, that was awesome. We're just bitching about frat boys and everywhere he went that summer, that song. <laughs> yeah, and somebody <laughs> took it that. and remixed it to that song. Oh my god, that was awesome. I think we can... I think if I can find that. Yeah, Lars DePunk did that one. Uh, we'll go yeah, out on that. That was fun as shit. That one is it, actually catchy enough that like you can listen to it as a song. Yeah. Beer Babies is that way for me, but I just enjoy the melodious tones of my own voice. I see now. Actually, okay. I hate the melodious tones of my own voice. Right. No, like uh, Greta and Salsa have taken to just saying diva when I start telling a story now. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I know. it's really quite hurtful and mean, but. Uh, it's, it's not my fault that I have a ton of stories or things make me think of stuff. But 
like, okay, so uh, when you and I do a show like this, I listen to it the next day to see, because, uh, like, I don't remember what we talk about. I don't remember how it went, you know? So it, it's almost all new to me when I listen to it as well, I guess, which sounds right. weird, maybe. Uh, same thing with uh, my other podcast, where when we finish a show, the first thing I do is listen to it for, like, the technical aspects of making sure I've mixed it well enough that you can listen to it, you know, through iTunes, but then also just go, what the fuck did we talk about? And I'm genuinely surprised at least once a show by going, oh, I completely fucking forgot about that. And to me, that's just like, okay, neat. I get to enjoy it, too. <laughs> right. But, yeah, Greta and uh, Salsa enjoy making fun of me for being a diva and being too in love with my own voice. And it's like, I don't think of it as being me. I just think of it as being a thing I would listen to anyway. Yeah, like... Jess used to ask me every night after the show, how did the show go? What did you guys talk about? And I always had to say, I don't know. I wasn't listening. Yeah, exactly. I was talking. You know, and so I absolutely enjoy listening to it. Yep. I'll take that a step further, though. I've written a bunch of songs and recorded them, and, you know, added, like, drums and, and bass lines and shit. And I'll listen mm-hmm. to those. And that strikes some people, my wife included, as a kind of an act of ego, but... Of course I like those songs. I wrote them. So yeah, they're, exactly. they're the kind of music I'm going to listen to because I fucking wrote them. Yeah. Can't read stuff that I wrote, like short stories and whatnot. That that doesn't transfer across somehow. All the all of my old writing... Maybe that's a slower process. I, I, think, mean, I, I feel like it's, you're pretty intricately connected with what you've written. And writing evolves a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it's like... God, ah, all I see are the kind of embarrassing things about this writing. Even the stuff that I wrote, like, for my master's four years ago. It's just like, ah, why did I ever think anybody would want to read this? I'm sorry, does someone have to read what you write for your master's? I mean, aside from whoever's grading it? Well, I did submit them to magazines and shit, because I think... Really? Yeah, because I, you know... I wrote these things and Diva. workshopped them, and the, the people who read them seemed to enjoy them, so I got this idea that I was a good writer. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure that somebody who read them and didn't know, like, the platonic ideal of what they are in my head, if it's right. the kind of thing they'd enjoy, they'd enjoy them. Yeah. But all I can see is, like, ah, oh, did I really... But, I mean, to be fair, if you read something you wrote, let's say, five years ago, I think it's fine to think it's still like, okay, that's kind of funny. But if you still think it's the greatest thing you've ever done, what you're doing is probably not that good. Or at least it's not improving. I feel like you you should be able to look back fondly on your old work, but you should always feel whatever you're currently doing is better. Otherwise, why are you doing what you're doing currently? Yeah. And it could be that I don't write a whole lot of songs these days. So those songs are ten years old. And and a lot of them are from like a fairly miserable time of my life, because that is prime songwriting time. So that's interesting to go back there and think about that stuff. Whereas I'm just... The things that were so important five years ago for me to like write about just kind of aren't anymore. No, know, and that's, like, I think, completely normal, <clears throat> right? All the, like, mid-twenties angst about what am I supposed to do with my life, etc. They're like, yeah. You know. 
I, I is that supposed to stop at mid twenties? Well, it's a different thing now. It's like it doesn't. <laughs> There's more uh, white knuckle desperation behind. What am I supposed to do with my life I, uh, at thirty? There's less. No one will ever want to fuck me ever again. Oh no, that's easy. Yeah, getting laid is not hard. Well, the the potential for sex is always there. Yes. Yeah, well, the, yeah that's what I mean. Getting getting laid is not hard. Uh, finding any kind of fulfillment, whether in, you know, work or relationship, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But you know, like the, the, I think when you're younger, the idea of just getting your dick wet is a prime concern and the lack of which is terrifying and then you figure out that ain't hard if i just want to do that i can do that anytime i want but yeah the the figure like finding any kind of meaningful i don't know well i kind of nailed that down i was just thinking of the just the logistics like i know where my next fuck is coming from i just don't know exactly when yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I know, like, you and your wife, you get it on at, at least once a day. And we're, yeah. like, we're, like, once a week. Am I asleep for half of these? What's going on? Y- yes. I thought a while ago you had said, like, every single day before you it go to bed. It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah that you and, you, and that was, for a while, for me and Jess, that was, like, this impossible standard. Like, Jesus, we we don't even want to have sex more than, like, a couple times a week. I'm I'm kind of old. Yeah, we have a kid. You're like 33. Yeah, that's I'm, kind of old. I'm past my sexual peak, man. Uh, I, depending upon what you def- oh man. The cruel nature of God is such that <laughs> when I was at my sexual peak, I could not have gotten no one wanted to sleep with you. Nunnery. Yeah. yeah. In a convent full of desperate women, not a one of them would have fucked me. That was before I was me. I prefer the. Uh... You couldn't get laid in a women's prison with a fistful of pardons. Oh, that's good. That's a really good one. That's a that's a built-in worthy. Have hey, you ever I stole it from. Uh, I should probably try throwing it at a show once. I stole that from Pendulette. Uh, it's fucking funny though. Um, and you know, I I often <laughs> wonder though, like, in the first couple of months, or you know, the six months say of a relationship. Uh-huh. You have sex a whole, whole lot. Yeah, I, of course. I it's wonder new, if, it's interesting, it's exciting. But I wonder also if part of that just isn't, I don't know when I'm going to get to do this again. Right, well, part of that could be I may only have another X amount of time to do this with this person. Yeah, before so the shit blows up. as many up. as I can. Right. And now it's like, I can have, I, I'm going to be with this woman for the rest of my life. We can have sex whenever. And it's weird how Except that makes it sex less likely to happen. <laughs> right? you know? The inflection is a whole different animal here. Like we're, you know, there's no rush. There's not urgency. You know, like if we don't have sex tonight, big fucking deal. Tomorrow is another day. To me, that is the that's the death of the sexual relationship of a lot of uh, relationships. That was like, it's not a big deal if we don't do it tonight. We can always do it tomorrow night. And if you can always do it tomorrow night, you find yourself doing it almost never. Oh, KMD says, after seeing how women are around you, I call total, total bullshit. <laughs> I say, no, no, my good man. When we're talking, like, before, so in, like, 1998 to 2000 and, we'll say, uh, so November 98 through April of 2002, 
I had pretty much no sex. Well, no, okay, there was the fuck buddy. So, okay. So, like... Yeah, fuck buddy counts. It's probably just not as good. Say, March 2000 to May of 2002. No sex at all, no female attention, no girlfriend, nothing. And it was just, like, I had gotten all of my confidence kicked out of me by going out into the world after being in college. And, you know, I'd been dumped by a girl. I was losing my hair. And, but more importantly, just, I kind of felt like a loser. Didn't have a good job, you know, going bald, kind of running to fat, getting out of the habit of talking to people, living by myself. So, I was totally unfuckable, and it wasn't until, like, October of 2001, I finally just fucking shaved my head, gave up. So, you know was what? that because otherwise the terrorists win? Yeah, totally. Well, no, it was just like, okay, you know what? This isn't working for me. And one way to get some modicum of confidence back would be not worrying about balding anymore. So just, like, shaved my fucking head and gave up. Like, you know what? I don't care if anybody's I'm tired of chasing around women and getting shit on. So I just kind of gave up. Like, didn't become an asshole about it, but didn't, like, start you know, immediately fall in love with a girl and spend, like, any evening stalking her at a bar. You know, just quit right. doing that shit. And then finally got rid of that, like, lack of confidence and that desperation. And that was when my wife came along. And so it was just at that perfect Well, that's about right. But oh, no, by the way, uh, there were a couple of years where I was just totally unfuckable. Yeah, I wouldn't Milo Goff uh, points out that younger versus older is a fucked-in-the-head thing. Thank God I never got married. I'm 42 sexual peak question mark I'm not there yet you guys got married that taints your opinion to which I tell Milo I've been married three times <laughs> married right. has nothing to do with where your sexual peak is uh, interest and effort has everything to do with where your sexual peak is if you're 42 and still uh, rearing at it that means you're doing it right if you're 23 and married and you feel like eh, you know we do a couple times a month that's all we really need we've got our kids then you're doing it wrong and whatever version of whatever works works for both people involved, then you're doing it right. So there's nothing that says you can't be married and 42 and with someone and still be having all the crazy sex you want unless the person that you're with doesn't want that, in which case you're with the wrong person. Right. Um, I then, believe you can do anything you want with anyone, assuming you find someone that has the same goals and ideas of what's fun as you do. And if that's not the best, uh, if that's not your, what would you call it, I don't know, set of standards for the person you'd be with, then yeah, don't get fucking married. I mean, I've, I've had the, I've had the uh, trophy wife, I've had the safe bet, and I now have the one that actually lines up with where I'm at in life and kicks my ass pretty regularly. It's pretty awesome. See, I but, take, uh, and I take issue with the, like... <laughs> Getting married is a bad thing. It ruins things. Thank God I never got married. That's horse shit, man. Yeah. Like, some would argue from the other side, if you're 42 and you haven't gotten... You haven't at least found somebody that you want to marry, maybe you're doing something wrong there yourself. But, on the other hand, sure, do what you want. Getting mm -hmm. married doesn't do shit to ruin a relationship. No. It, getting married is an amplifier. If you guys are doing okay together... Like, making that commitment can kind of step up the game, which is what it did for us. 
Uh-huh. If you're bad for each other, that's just going to be amplified because now you've made a commitment <laughs> to each other. Like, there's uh-huh. nothing wrong with getting married. I get mad about this because, and it slowly this they're becoming fewer and fewer of these, but there are these amazing, wonderful women that I know who are dating guys who are actually, you know, decent dudes, but have been dating for like seven years. The girl desperately wants to get married. The guy's like, oh no, that'll fuck everything up. Yeah, and it's like, especially when they live together already. Yeah. It's like, to me, the the big test of, will your relationship last is, can you live together? Because, to me, there are two things that should happen before someone gets married. One, fuck. Yes. Two, live together. True. Because, as everyone says, sex changes everything. And you know what? They're right. So fucking do it before you're in a legal contract. Just in case what it changes things to is a pile of shit. And two live together because you know what when you're not living together all those things that you can put up with for two to five hours at a time sorry hang on one sec <clears throat> all those things you can put up with for two to five hours at a time because they're not that big a deal because at the end of the night you go home by yourself and you can go Ugh, and get away from it yeah that's all well and good uh i i have a theory that every six months is when a relationship has a blowout fight because six months is about the maximum amount of time you can put up with something Mm-hmm. We're talking little minuscule shit like leaving the seat up or not tying the bread off with the twist tie when you're done using it or using the same knife to use your peanut butter and jelly to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich and leaving fucking peanut butter in the jelly thing. But those, that, those are your things. Live together, find out what annoys the shit out of you about the other person you would never know without living with them, and fuck them. Fuck them a bunch of times and find out just how messed up they are. Fuck them long enough that you know that they're going to finally reveal that one thing they really want that they haven't told you before because they're afraid you'll leave. You want to find that out before you get in a fucking legal document with that person because yeah. you want to find out if the thing that they want to do is going to be really fucking exciting, maybe a little scary, or really fucking scary and not that exciting. Know that right. before you fucking sign paperwork and own a house together, because sometimes you end up having to give a woman a townhouse worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Not that that's a specific thing that I've had to do. One one might have that one, happen. One, one might. A friend of yours, <clears throat> right? Named Aginal Udfart. <laughs> Aginal Mudblart. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. So it kind of bothers me, like especially when said gentleman and. It's the same conversation every time. They go, well, everything is going along so great, I don't want to screw it up. Like, okay, well, it's not going to screw it up unless something Nothing has already to change unless you change screwed it. up. And the next comment is, well, we're already living together and she knows I want to be with her forever, so uh, getting married wouldn't mean anything. Except for the whole uh, being able to visit each other in the hospital and inheriting things. Yeah, and and to which I say, like, Okay, either it is a big deal or it isn't. You can't both be afraid that it's going to fuck everything up and insist that it doesn't mean anything. Right. Also, if your girl desperately wants to get married and you don't, there's nothing to fuck up. It's already fucked up. It's not going along just fine, and they're screwing it up because they want to get married. Yeah. There is a fundamental divide there that you have uh, to decide. too, is for him, it was uh, afraid of having kids. He wanted kids, but was afraid he'd either be a good dad or not. Uh, and TechRat replies with, he has a kid and still doesn't think he'll be a good dad. Uh, Milo, my first marriage ended because my wife desperately wanted kids, and I decided I did not want them. Uh, we divorced. I got a vasectomy to make sure that I would not make that mistake or have to lead another woman on. Um, and five or six years later, I now have a daughter and son that were my wife's through a previous marriage. I found out that I had nothing against having kids. I just wanted to pre-screen the fuckers. 
weeks, uh, my adoption for my daughter just became finally legal as of uh, five days ago. Sadly, so, it's another six years before your daughter herself becomes legal. Right. We did call the, the dinner we went out to uh, the night that her adoption was finalized her barely legal party. Because <laughs> I figure anything within 24 hours of signing that paperwork means she's barely legal. <laughs> so she didn't know what that meant, and someday I'll have to explain it. That's I also had to rad. tell all my coworkers that all the uh, molestation becomes incest, and I realized we weren't there yet as as, as coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> that was awkward, but uh, no, I mean, you know what? And and TechRat, bravo for not knowing uh, if you think you'll be a good dad, even though you have kids. Because I feel I feel like if you're convinced you either are or aren't, you're fucking up. If you think you're not sure and doing your best, you're probably fine. The only so. people who say. Don't tell me how to raise my child and mean it. Are people that suck. Yeah. Those are the people who are like beating the kid with a hardcover book while you're telling them not to do it. And they yep. say, Don't tell me how to raise my child. Like, I will still say that, but the reason no, that I say that's is ever I'm said, defensive. Don't you dare tell me how to raise my kid is someone that was caught in the act of fucking up. Right. Like, objectively fucking up. Not just like, oh, well, I don't believe in spanking, or, oh, I wouldn't have told my kid not to jump off that. That seems okay. No, we're talking about, like, literally fucking up. <laughs> like, it drives me fucking nuts. It's the same thing with the whole don't judge me, or only God can judge me argument. Right. The only people that have to say that are people that know they're assholes. Yeah. I mean, I will occasionally go, like, I will have that feeling, like, don't tell me what to do, but it comes from a place of... I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I hope that I'm doing it right, but I don't yeah. know. It's one thing to say, I bet you wouldn't do any better in my circumstance. I'm just doing the best I can. But usually I feel like it comes with a bit more bravado and implied, I know better, you're on the outside, you can't tell. And it's like, nope, I can tell. Those wire hanger marks on the back of your kid's arms right. <laughs> mean I know how to raise a kid better than you do. And at least when I, even if I say, like, fuck you, I, I have to yell at him or he won't do what I say, then a minute later I will go, yeah, that dude was right. I shouldn't have yelled at my kid. Mm -hmm. Of course, if my mom or my mother-in-law, even worse, gives advice, that that kind of sucks. Like that's, that's infuriating, yeah. Like, at the airport, the last time we visited my parents, Ollie threw a fit. And he, because he wanted to get down and run around, and we didn't want him to. So we're holding on to him. He's kind of like yelling, screaming, kicking. But if you put him down, then you just gave him what he wants. Yep. So we're like holding on to him, just kind of letting him yell and scream, telling him, you know, hush, kind of knowing he wouldn't. And my dad said, well, you just tell him no. You tell him no. Because it's not fucking simple. And he'll stop doing it. And I'm like, okay. But the card that you had in your back pocket was, you tell him no, and if he doesn't stop doing it, you spank him. And I'm not fucking spanking him. Yeah. So, my choice is, since I'm not going to make him live in fear of me, to that extent, that I'm going to have to put up with some of this. And it's yeah, not that easy. Like I've said before, like you can have the... Most kids will turn out fine. Pinker, uh, Steven Pinker, has taught us that. Uh... That in general, you're going to turn out okay no matter what. Our, nature goes a lot further than nurture, apparently. 
but there are ways of making that learning curve steeper or more gradual. Right. You know, where the kids get there quicker or not. And so, like me, I'm fine with swatting the kid's ass every now and again when he fucks up. Because I prefer to take the shorter arc. And I've got friends that don't or are incredibly permissive. And it's like, you know what, their kid will probably still end up being an okay person. But it'll be when they're in their teens before people hate being around them, as opposed to when they're at eight, yeah. <laughs> where people hate being around them. You know what I mean? So I'm concerned with him not ending up being an asshole. And, and I, that's the thing. That's, I that's have all some of our theories. Goals. I feel like as long as it comes from a position of love, and you're not literally beating the kid, it all works out in the wash. Yeah, and he's he's turning out pretty well. My theory well, yeah, is your kid's fucking wonderful. Yeah. We've and I don't with him any time. And I'm not going to take any credit for that, really, because yeah, you should. as far as I know, I could have another kid and do exactly the same thing. Kid could be a total asshole. So, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm not having another one. But it, like, my take on it is less like everyone turns out okay. It's kind of the opposite way of expressing that. But everybody is fucked up in some way. Because I think that's just inherent to the human condition. You, you're you kind of fucked up, and you function anyway, and that's what being a person is. And they are going to blame it on something that you did. Like, yeah. my parents gave me endless praise, no matter what I did. They always meant it, it was always sincere. But when I got out into the world and didn't have that, I was kind of paralyzed. That's my problem. So, like, did my parents fuck up because they were too nice to me? That's, you know, that's what you could say, is, like, that was how they fucked up, and that's why I'm screwed that way, but, you know, in reality, just everyone's a little fucked up. If they hadn't praised yeah. me enough, I would be, you know, blowing truckers for blow. desperately seeking it, and even if you got it, it wouldn't be enough. Yeah. Which is what you this really want in a stripper, but, uh, not so much in a kid. It's like, it's the, uh, it's, uh, there's a talking heads quote that I always go back to. It's a mom and pop, they will fuck you up for sure. Love so deep, it'll kill you in your sleep. Like, yep, good. no matter what happens, you love somebody that much, you are going to fuck them up a little bit. So I'm just doing yeah, my best. Yeah, because you can't help but try to intervene on their behalf, except that you never know what the best thing to do is. You can only guess. And when, it, when are you supposed to let it ride? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the hard one. fall like, off the you bed, know. you know? Which, that's where I think, ideally, like for me and Greta, we we tend to take opposite perspectives, I guess not even an opposite, complementary perspectives on, nope, fuck it, let him hit his head. This is the time to let him do it and learn it that way. Versus, nope, he needs to have the reassurance. You know, so like when I'm willing to just let him bump it out and feel shitty, she'd be like, no, this is the one he needs, the, he needs a parent. And when she wants to coddle him, I'm the one that's going, no, this is the one where he needs to be out there and alone and swing, you know? Yeah. And between the two of us, we're hitting that mid-ground, I think. And again, as we've learned, um, it may not fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, again, we're, as anyone, anytime anyone's ever asked me, I go, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Hopefully, I'm not making things worse. And if I'm making things that, better, I consider myself lucky. As long as I'm not making that, things you know, worse, like, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done. And you know that, like, growing up, as we were talking about, is realizing that your parents were the same way. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. 
No, they were, that they was were one of the big lessons by is that there are no grown-ups. There were there days that no they were, you know, just in a shitty mood, so they did something that, as a parent, that they probably shouldn't have done. And, yeah, like know. you know, you you, you know, you knocked over the vase with the flowers in it, and because Dad got yelled at by his boss that day, that's the day you got spanked. Whereas normally they go, oh, be more careful and mop the fuck up. And I for, you know, I would forgive anyone for that because that's how life works. Yeah. If you're having a shitty day, occasionally you're going to take it on someone that doesn't fully deserve it. You know, whatever. You know? Yeah, I don't know. It's, we do the best with what we got, and we all have imperfect information. Yeah, we, had a, we actually had an interesting conversation on, well, last night on Saturday night about how there are no grown-ups. There's only, like, the people that you see walking around that have the, like, tucked in shirt and slacks and the like you know grown-up hairstyle and everything the people who look like grown-ups are the people who have most internalized that this is what a grown-up supposed to look like right and you know but everybody is putting on that facade that like i'm just gonna pretend i know what i'm doing like yeah and that's, that was my question is the, is the fact that when i go to work now i put on slacks a button-down shirt and a tie to me, that is a costume. I wear that to look like an old person who is in charge of shit right. and cares about his job. Much like when I go work at the Renaissance Festival, I put on pants and shirt roll around in mud to look like a gong farmer covered in shit who's a peasant. And to me, they are the same thing. They're fucking equivalent. Neither one has anything to do with what is normal or real. They're just outfits to match an occasion, and I guess other people buy into it more, or maybe other people feel it's more important. I don't know. That was what I was having trouble accepting the other night. That like other people feel like they 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 are actually the the benchmark for grown up, hmm. and that just seems weird. Cause I... yeah, I just went over the hill, that like speed bump I think recently from like. I have been kind of blustering a little, you know, like, yes, I am the grown-up, I am a dad, I know what's going on, and nobody has to tell me anything. And in the past, like, six months, like, you know what? I have no fucking idea. I have a theory. You can't. You know, I don't know hardly anything, but I'm, you know, trying to separate that, like, for a while I couldn't tell if I actually knew the answer to something, or I just made something up. And said it with authority. There's a fine fucking and you, line. And you gotta know that in your head, though, right? And be able to go, oh, wait a minute, sorry. I just made that up. So I'm see, this trying is, to get back to that. This is something that has come up, for me at least, is I, uh, with very, very rare exceptions, refuse to lie to my kids. If they ask a question, I will answer it honestly, unless it's something generally sexually explicit or... Uh, something that just it, it won't compute based on the fact they don't have a frame of reference to have it make sense yeah so when austin's like you know why does it rain or why is there a rainbow i don't go oh because you know they're pretty and we like no i go well because light refracts off water molecules you know water particles in the air and, you know like I, I give them the real answer even if it's beyond their space because i'd rather give my kids too much credit than not enough sure yeah and so <sighs> given trying to wrap my my brain around my own bullshit. Yeah. You, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like you, you have the option of either 
giving them everything as is, which is why I hate the Santa Claus myth, which I think I've talked about. Oh, no, I've talked about it on my show. Uh, the idea that of Santa Claus is that is the lie I tell my kids. Pretty much everything else is straight up. And it bugs me because I want them to have that. I want to feel like they can always deal honestly with me. And telling my son, who's four, he'll be five in May, that Santa is a thing pisses me off and bugs me. But my wife likes it, and that's a concession I'm willing to make for that relationship as opposed to the relationship with my son. Did you not enjoy that as a kid? Of course. Like, but you know what I enjoyed? Getting presents. Right. So what? No one cares if Santa's real or not, because you know what happened when I found out Santa wasn't real? Nothing. I still got presents. Yeah. And Salsa argued for the for the inclusion of the Santa myth, and because he feels like the kid misses out if there isn't one. I said, well, what are you doing for all the Jewish and Muslim kids? Fuck them. But you know what? They all grow up just fine. Right. Because you know, I was like, well, won't your kid, what are you going to do? Well, how are you going to, your kid won't get presents in Christmas for blah, 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 you know? Like, what are they going to do when all their friends are getting presents? Like, well, what the fuck do the Jewish kids hear when their friends are getting presents? What the fuck do the Muslim kids I mean, hear? They, they, they all own. fucking live. They have their own myths. I know, but who needs fucking myths? Can't we just have love? Uh, sure, but I, I don't I know. Love I love think... my kids. I buy my family shit at random times. And you know no. what? I'm not even against the idea of having a Christmas tree in a Christmas village because I, like, I think they look nice and smell good. But the lie of Santa bugs me because to me that is distorting my son's growing perception of reality, which to me is otherwise my 24-hour job is to teach him how reality works. I think it's... I think it's okay because it's going to lead up to a moment where he goes, how I can't he... trust mom and dad. They lied to Well, me. no. He goes, how does he get all the way around the world in one night? And you go, that is an interesting question. How do you think he does it? And after a while, you know, for me, I don't remember any kind of, like, horrible moment of truth. It was just gradually going, yeah, okay, that's probably my parents. And then, like, why do we do this thing? Like, what is this shared myth about? Like, well, it's about the feelings that you get when somebody gives a gift for you and it's about but putting it putting me, that color the beauty in, the in that is the relationship between the actual people and cheapening that by hiding it behind a facade of an invented character takes away from the actual human emotion behind it like the, to me like the idea that like oh everybody's just nicer on christmas like oh well fuck you guys What's wrong with just being nicer in general? Which is what I try to do. And well, I'm not all, perfect. That's I'm the not moral saying of every I am that. Christmas story but ever. There's, you know what I mean, though? There's actually a good Terry Pratchett book called Hogfather that is about Santa, you know, using the kind of stand-in in the, his fantasy world. And it's... The conclusion that they come to is that the... Believing in a lie like Santa makes you able to believe in lies like justice and peace and camaraderie. And somebody's like, those things aren't lies. Justice isn't a lie. It's like, okay, hand me a glass full of it. Like, show me the love particle you're capturing under a microscope. It's a, it's, you know, lie is not perhaps the right term, but the, you know, believing in something that you can't rationalize is an important part of being human, I think. But it's not about rationalizing, because you can rationalize that people do things out of the motivation we call love, or people believe things are right or wrong out of the motivation we call justice. 
but a fat guy coming down our chimney is just ludicrous and unnecessary because you know what the important part is you're together with the people you love and you're giving sometimes more than you can afford to do in order to demonstrate your love for those people because maybe you don't do it as often as you should the rest of the year and honestly christmas would cease to be an important holiday if we all told everyone that we love how often they deserve and how much we care that's the thing is christmas doesn't have to fucking matter Christmas could be just as irrelevant as, you know, fucking Valentine's Day or President's Day if all of us made the commitment to let the people that matter to us know that they matter on a regular basis. And I guess that's the world I want to live in. I like... I, I'm a Christmas guy. I like the, I like every bit of it. So, I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. Like, it's kind of a... It's, you know... It's a cool story that people tell each other, and it's fine that it's not true. I actually thought the Penny Arcade thing kind of hit the nail on the head. You're the, like, why does my kid believe in this Santa bullshit? Because it's a beautiful lie told to him by someone he trusts. Kind of like the same reason you believe in God. Right, and uh, again, I, I don't... <laughs> you don't have any use for God, either. And not uh, yeah, I. exactly. I, I kill both those myths in my house. <laughs> so... <laughs> The idea of, uh, of uh, the idea of a lie being more attractive than the truth is in no way a justification for a lie to me. No, not not being more attractive than the truth, but oh, very like... much so. Though. The idea that that somewhere out there a magical sky wizard with infinite powers cares about you specifically and will try to make things work out the best for you—that's way more attractive than the truth of you get up, you go to work, and you hope you don't get hit by a bus. I mean, in my it's house. In my house, I mean, growing up in my house, we also had a whole lot of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But Santa was just like, it was kind of understood, this is a fun story that we tell each other and a fun game that we play. Okay, but if it came, if it was a, done with a wink and a nod, then you're doing what I'm saying I want to do and acknowledging it's not real. And a little bit you can do that with him. But that's what I'm saying, is that either it's real or it's not, but pick one. I choose to pick not. And it sounds like what you did is you picked one but enjoyed the myth. So what you're saying is if I told Austin, like, look, there's no fucking Santa. But if you want to pretend every Christmas morning you got these presents from, you know, this fat guy because it's funny to talk about and you can write him letters, we can still do that. I'd be okay with that. As long as at the end of the day he knows what's what. Right. Salsa's okay argument was always to... when you go to Disney World, do you pull him aside every time you see someone in a costume and tell him that person's not real? And the short answer is kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't believe my son thinks Mickey is real. I don't have any indication of that. But I do believe he believes Santa Claus is real. And that's what bugs me. I think when Ollie's a little bit older, we'll do that at, at Disneyland. But for now, it's just like, check it out. If he's scared of Mickey, I'll be like, yeah, it's okay. It's just a guy in a suit. But, uh... Right. But, I mean, I just feel like, you know what? Oh, look, it's Mickey. The same way when you go to Romeo and Juliet, you go, oh, look, it's Romeo. You don't fucking believe it's the dude. It's a show. Like, if I go to Disneyland without my kid, I'm going to pretend that that guy in the mouse suit is Mickey. I'm going to call him Mickey. I'm going to take Mickey's hand, you know? I'm not going to be like, yeah, fuck you, man in suit. Must really suck to have your job. Hell yeah. And usually it's a chick, actually. Yeah, because too too much potential for touching. Fondling, if it's a dude. Sad but true. 
Ah, you know what I wanted was to end the show on uh, a, a high note with laughs. A, a molestation note. Oh, I wanted because we didn't have Jick in here to make the jokes about touching the children, so I wanted to be sure that we would get some kind of child touching thing to go. I out could on. post a link to my first stand up where I just did all pedophile jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, I'm not going to do that, no. Because <laughs> the other adoption's not final yet. Everybody's going, you should get off the radio. Actually, Milo the Oaf wants to wants us to get off the radio. I'm, I'm losing respect for you, Milo the Oaf. You're leaking respect. Yeah, there was some cool shit there, but now you suck. But you're still kind of cool. Seems like you're being contrarian. You need, to, you, need <laughs> to see, you need to see Inception so we can argue about it. I do need to see that. Um, oh, hey, before we go, can I plug my show? Yes, please do. That'd be awesome. Uh, I, I do a weekly podcast available at aonpodcast.com, uh, short for Apropos of Nothing, because our show is called Apropos of Nothing, which is harder to spell than most people are willing to put up with. Uh, Mr. Skullhead just dropped a link into radio chat. And then um, made it an actual link. Woo. And then an actual link following the typing part. Uh, but that's me and uh, Salsa. Oh, uh, real name. My uh, my real name is Matt. Um, and so if you go to that site, it says Matt and Salsa. Salsa is also a KOL player uh, known as Salsa Shark, but actually does go by Salsa in real life and has forever. So, um, yeah, uh, we do a hour to two hour show each week, uh, kind of about whatever comes to mind that week. We just finally put up episode eight, which is actually episode about 11 or so based on our editing. And uh, we'll be recording tomorrow with my friend Frost, who works at the Nerdery in Minneapolis here. And we'll be talking about um, all that nonsense. So, uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, Jick and Scully were guests on episode four. So if you want to hear a little bit about the game and hear Jick get all heartfelt and sincere, <laughs> uh, check that one out. It's a beautiful moment. You're, it was good. Honestly, that was uh, fucking amazing. That was my favorite thing I've ever heard Jick do. And I was super, uh, super proud of that because it's that it was actually interesting to hear something that I feel like I'd never heard him say, despite all the episodes you've ever done on this podcast. Yeah, I think we got him drunker than we usually do. Hey, I think you're... we did, and I hope he doesn't feel bad about that because really, it was it was amazing. It was very cool as just a regular player. I really enjoyed listening. So yeah, check out their podcast. I've only listened to up to our episode so far because I haven't done oh. another thirteen-hour drive. This is the only time I could listen to, like, two hours of something. But what I've heard is very entertaining. These two smart guys doing stuff that is getting less funny but smarter every time. Okay, I was just about to say, it, it's getting less funny as we go, but much more interesting. So. All right, so check that out. Thank you very much for joining me, dude. I think that we, uh, uh, thanks we for Thanks out. for having me. I love doing this. Anytime. Right, good night, everybody. Somewhere. On a given weekend in 1994, there would be that remix of that Four Non Blonde song playing really loudly. But what I don't get is how not only could you always hear that if you were in the right place, you could always hear it no matter where you were. Where you were. Where you were. Somewhere on a given weekend in 1994.
there would be that remix of that Four Non Blonde song playing really loudly. But what I don't get is how not only could you always hear that if you were in the right place, you could always hear it no matter where you were. Somehow one frat party was always playing that song. Always playing that song. Somehow the one that was playing that song was always the one that had their music turned on. I mean, and it's not like that's a terrible song, but it's like, play some different songs or something, you know? I mean, and it's not like that's a terrible song, but it's like, but it's like, play some different songs or something, you know? Somewhere on a given weekend. But at least they sometimes listen to the Grateful Dead, and sometimes they listen to Fish. Somewhere on a given weekend in 1994, there would be that remix of that Four Non Blonde song playing really loudly. But what I don't get is how not only could you always hear that if you were in the right place, you could always hear it no matter where you were. No matter where you were. You know, there's like different modes. <laughs> There's a little bit of variety, but like, frat boys, all they do is listen to that one song. That four non-blonde song. My mom likes who this day. My mom likes who this day. That four non-blonde song. My mom likes who this day.